0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. <laughs> John Anik
1: and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's
2: hear that post the
3: next.
4: Big job there from Duffy and Frank Meers. now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cool. does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. There
1: are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists.
0: Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
3: Thank you all for checking back in with us. It is Monday, October 18th, 2021. You have clicked on episode 321 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Hopefully not by mistake, right? Hopefully you didn't click on episode 321 by mistake. What's up, Ken Flo? How's the fucking back, huh?
4: Oh, my gosh. It's feeling way, way better. Uh, You know, walking more upright as of a couple of days ago. Got a chance to drill a little bit jiu So I'm feeling better, man. We're getting there.
3: Thank, thank you for asking. All right. I think I might train some jujitsu later this week, if you can believe that. Hey, I like it. Yeah, it's really because I need to get injured. I have to get out of a future physical challenge. (laughs) And I know the best way to get injured is to invite Pahumpa over to my house to train some Brazilian jujitsu. So that's what I'm going to do. There we go. All right, so a lot to get to. This is a vicious cycle for the UFC, probably the the wrong adjective, but live events week after week. Um, I'm leaving for Abu Dhabi in a week. Ken also, where are you going? You're going somewhere in a week, aren't you?
4: Uh, I'm going to your neck of the woods, man. I'm going to South Florida. Uh, we got the uh, the finals, the championships for PFL coming up. So we'll be uh, over there in Fort Lauderdale, dude.
3: All right. Ships passing in the night. Is that, yes. is that the cliche, right? <laughs> that, uh, that is our bad. relationship right there yeah, now. Yeah, essentially. We got one <laughs> hug at the residence in uh, before the Ryan Hall fight. So, uh, all right. So a lot to get to today. We will recap, albeit briefly, uh, what was sort of a, listless UFC fight night lad versus Dumont if uh if that's fair to say uh some other MMA news and notes as well we will talk about Andre Orlovsky and Jim Miller and all of that Ray Longo going to join us imminently off of the top of the show look at this guy Um, right on the screws 11 a.m Raymond Longo good morning
1: what's known as being a professional as I have to sit in the (laughs) backstage listening to you guys how you can't hug each other for another couple of months (laughs)
4: Thank you that, for breaking up that awkwardness, by the way. Yeah, right. I didn't think that yeah. seemed
1: I'm like, holy shit, I'm listening to these two guys. Is this actually happening? I got to hug at
3: the residence. I got this. <laughs> wow. Are you done? Are you done? Can you center yourself on camera? No. Can you center yourself on camera? No, Take the no, shots right out of the shoot. I need a new setup. I'm not happy. All right. Yeah comb appear to be working at least on half your head today so that's good. which half
1: because i what's yeah is there, the
4: other the other part's just kind of going out oh it's going west or east i don't know where it's going yeah, hey,
3: you, you know, know
1: i'm just looking my hair still growing so whatever happens i know I- that's
3: right that's right so, uh, well, thanks for joining us off the top of the show. Ken Flo doesn't necessarily know this, but we gave Ray the option to join us at 12.30 p.m. Eastern today. By the way, we are scheduled to be joined in 30 minutes by uh, the Dacus brothers, Chris and Kyle, and Ashley Evans-Smith yep. coming up later in the program as well. But we gave Kenny Ray the option of being off the top of the show or being off the bottom of the show at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, and here he is live okay. right off the top of You know, of
1: the I'm show. so happy after this last weekend of – Going five and zero on the local circuit. That That's I'm right. Just, I'm, hey, I'm just, I'm just so happy to be it because I know John. What does he say? My
3: script says Team Saralongo five and zero locally over the weekend. We're not I burying the
1: lead. I mean, you know, John. You know, last time we talked, to him a couple of weeks ago, he was so worried about me getting a goddamn win. I Think I'm ten and zero since that time. Don't ever worry. Hey, I'm always winning,
0: buddy. Hey, I not cool. the
3: words in my mouth, motherfucker. <laughs> just, <I'm> <laughs> so ten and zero since I cut you down in whatever capacity. Unbelievable. Five and zero for the for the the squad over the weekend.
1: What a night, man! I mean, Steve, the manager Lee. I mean, the guy's actually now he's at the point where he's taking pictures. You know, he yeah. beat his la. You know, he's actually beat his record of zero pictures, which was his record. Right. So, uh, he took like three, and I, I figured it out. Half of those people thought he was the Korean zombie. It's actually insane. They don't well, even. They're not even taking a picture with Stephen Lee. He's, well, the yeah. guy's actually passed himself off as the Korean zombie. I think it's crazy.
3: So, anyone who listens to this podcast probably wants a picture with Mr. Lee. Oh,
1: well, at this point. Trust but me. These are amateur I'm fights,
3: correct? But, but yes. he has a fandom weight worth keeping an eye on. He keeps doing fights, you know?
1: You know what, man? He's got a great head. He works hard. Ho- what the
5: heck is this? The dog's going.
3: Well, on. Kenny and I have kids under four. You don't.
5: Lucky. Oh, that's a dog. The Dude, not a Steve not a Lee fan. fan.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah
5: bro,
1: is it Steve Lee? Is that what you're upset about, buddy? Um. What was I going to say? But no, no. The, yeah, he's an amateur, ever, but I'll tell you, great head for the game. Helps everybody out. You know, I think he's a good student in the game. And, yeah, he's going to have a bright future. How old is he? He is 25, I believe.
3: Right. A crew and a lot of, of good experience. And anybody else you want to shout out before we get along to the. Uh, um, of course, John. I know you love when I shout out the local people. I do. I, I mean, you, you paint I me in this corner.
5: My, you paint my, me my with pet. the
3: brush of a guy who is, you know, not yeah, supportive.
5: I, I mean, come on, can no, no, John. Me, you got to come up to New York. You got to be careful. You know. Oh
1: yeah, this is going to be no, no, John. John is always welcome. He's a he's a made man. The second he sets
5: foot in New York, that's yeah, not He's uh, a Long Island native, so let's not. Yeah, he is that. a yeah, Long Island native. Get out of here yeah. with uh, I don't know. My, even
1: my, my best here. friend Jenny Nadell, knocked it out of the park. Vicious knockout. Diana Aravis. Uh, fi- finally got a win for her, which is nice. She was so happy. Uh, Anthony D'Amelio, another great performance. Uh, Justin Montalvo was at another location, being cornered by um, Dylan Montello, uh, Ally Aquinter and Aljamain Sterling. W. Third, w. three and oh three and oh three knockouts, three good body shots. I good mean, uh, with all body shots, it's it, oh it, wow. It, he's looking good. You should look at the Instagram. You get a, a little glimpse of uh, some of the stuff that what happened. I, I'm afraid I'm going to leave somebody out too, but uh, so we had. To, oh, and and Nas uh, he won his fight. Yeah.
3: Uh, Nas. Um, Right, released a new album, I believe, over the weekend as well. Right? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah it'll be uh, it'll be Nas and Jay Z. They're going to be appearing in Colorado in a couple of months. All
3: right. Well, you look good. You look lean. Congrats on the five and yeah. zero. Very exciting stuff. And I know the team is very supportive of you and this show. So uh, yeah. I want to uh, give them they love,
1: love John. Uh, they love this show. They love you and Kenny. And so Cody. everybody
3: loves Ken Floor.
5: Even Cody? Cody. Yeah. Wow. So even, uh, even you mentioned Kenny
3: Nadell got a knockout right. Yeah. Norma Dumont did not. Yeah. Andy Hickey MMA on Twitter. Cody Merrow, our executive producer, sent me this this morning. Uh, Eight female-led UFC main events in a row that have gone to a decision and featured zero knockdowns collectively. Lad Dumont, Rodriguez Dern, Rodriguez Watterson, Holm Aldana. Watterson Hill, I, Calvillo, Nunez, Spencer, you know, J. Chick Waterson. I mean, that's going back to October of 2019. Um, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, any thoughts on the main event, Ray? Did you watch the UFC headliner? You know, I saw,
1: only because I was I, I was all over the place this week, and I saw a little bit of it, it looked lackluster to me. Yeah. Uh, it looked like uh, Dumont, looked like she had a really good right hand to me. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm just, I'm, I didn't really look at the fight. I saw I was watching on my phone as much as I could, but uh, I don't think Lad did much, if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty yeah. lackluster that way. Yeah, so.
3: Dumont, you know, is probably in line to fight Nunez for the belt at 145 pounds, as wild as that may sound to some. She's got only one pro loss, uh, has a pretty good jab. Ken Flo, Kenny, you got anything for us on the main event before we dive into uh, what seems to be the big narrative coming out of the event, the corner work uh, in that Lad corner?
4: No, not too much. You know, I... I I saw Norma uh, kind of being the cleaner striker. I think that's kind of the the, the story yeah. of the fight uh, as far as the technical aspects of the fight. You know, she was out jabbing Aspen from the outside, really wasn't allowing her to get to that clinch position very much. And, you know, for Aspen, I, I think uh, the, the story was kind of a, a lack of volume, a lack of inactivity, a, a lack of pressure, um, where Norma just was so comfortable throughout that fight for the most part that, you know, she was able to cruise and, and, and get the win.
3: All right. So, Ray, I don't know how much you've digested as far as what has been said about Jim West in the corner of Aspen Ladd, who I believe is his girlfriend, by the way, which is a big part of this story, in my opinion. And I'll preface everything that I'm going to say today with the fact that I am just one man, one fan. And if you disagree, um, hopefully we can move on from that. But I did not watch the fights live. I watched the Boston Red Sox. I went to bed. I woke up with the intention to watch this whole card. And I saw a tweet from Misha Tate when I opened Twitter on Sunday morning. Uh, that said, this is abuse. What a douche. And then she went on to write to Jim West directly. Uh, Jim would never speak to one of his male fighters the way he has to Aspen. Hate to see it been there before. So this strikes a chord with Misha, the way Jim West was in the corner of Aspen Lad, um, because she obviously had her own issues with her ex-boyfriend, Brian Caraway and some of the things that she dealt with in her own career. Now, Jim West wrote on Instagram, and I'm trying to lay this out as quickly and efficiently sure. as possible. Tonight was not our night. It's been our night many, many times at the highest level, but not tonight. I blame myself, though it may not be my fault. It's not up for debate. I take all the blame. Yes, after the first couple rounds, I may have been a little harsh, but I know Aspen, and at that time, technical conversation was not in the cards being down 3-0. Nonetheless, I own it, and I am sorry, Aspen lad, From the bottom of my heart, I will continue to be better each time. So I think what some of the masses we're taking issue with Kenny uh, was maybe the tone, you know, I mean, it's not like the general safe. Saud isn't condescending to Damon Jackson too. Right. I mean, there's plenty of male coaches, male on male, where the tone is very much condescending, which I thought it was a little bit here. Um, But basically he was saying, you know, what are you doing? Like, please tell me what you're doing, you know, and the aesthetic of lad receiving the information was not very good. Right. I know she isn't a firecracker mid round to begin with, but to me, She didn't seem to be receiving it pretty well. Looked to me like she would rather be anywhere in the world other than that corner. And um, I can understand why Misha and others
4: took issue with the communication between rounds. Your thoughts? For me, uh, you know, listen, it gets a lot trickier. If we're talking about a coach, I don't have any problem with what he said, to be honest. Um, If you're talking about someone who's in a relationship and they're talking to him that way, I don't know. Would it be as much of a story if if that wasn't her boyfriend? I, I don't know. I don't know any of the specifics of their relationship. Right. I'm not going to pretend to if I'm just viewing it as a coach fighter relationship. OK, um, y- you have to know your fighter and you have to know what is going to motivate them at that at that certain yeah. point. Right. I, what do I do to wake up this fighter, male, female, whatever it is? for them to go out there and perform the way I think they can, right? I've been watching this person in training camp after training camp or year after year. I know what they're capable of doing. I know what the game plan is. What do I do to get this person to do just that? And sometimes, guess what? You can't just be nice to that person. You can't, you, sometimes you can't just kind of, oh, would you like to, would you, you know, would right, you like right, to kind of right. do this? Is there anything I can do for you at this moment? Yeah, you got yeah. 60 seconds to go in there and say something and yeah. motivate your fighter. And sometimes it's not always going to be nice. Like, what do you think we're doing out there? Playing tiddlywinks? We're fighting out no. there. You know, like, uh, are we supposed to be tiptoeing around situations? Either you want your fighter to win or you don't. And sometimes you have to get right to the point, even if you have to hurt someone's feelings. And, um, you know, th- there's there's tact, uh, and, and certain fighters are going to respond differently than others. It's up to the coaches to understand their fighter better, um, but it doesn't always come out perfectly. Um, and I think people are upset about, you know, specifically Misha because of her personal experience, of what she's dealt with. So, and and again, that's a different story. I'm not going to speak to that. Um, a love relationship, right. Is totally different. But as far as coach and fighter, I really don't have a problem with it. That Mm -hmm. fighter was invested. uh, That coach was invested in, in that fighter, right. Uh, he wanted her to win and, um. And, and was doing his best to try to get her, go, get her to go out there and, and get the W and, and change what she was doing.
1: Yeah. Listen, Ken, Kenny hit on a lot of good points. Um, first off, man, like like Kenny said, it's the fight business. And honesty is at the top of the list, right? You're not really – look, I think – you know, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, Misha Tate, I believe, is projecting her own stuff onto this fight. And it's different situations. She might have had a different relationship with Brian Carraway that she's perceiving as this is the same relationship with these two. It's not necessarily the case. You know what I mean? So I look at it like when I look at a thing like that is my I, I would look at it, is his heart in the right spot? Does he really wanted to win or is he making it about himself? I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. If it's about himself, then the guy's a complete douchebag.
3: I don't it's, think it's about himself.
1: I don't think it is. It's yeah, based on I don't. I think, think he really
3: that. thinks he has right, so, a champion but, on his hands who underperformed. But right. So based can, on
1: that, I think the guy was honest and he did the right thing. You know, he's there for her best interest. However that comes out, I don't really give a shit. I don't no, but she
3: has to be responsive to it, and it he's has to right. affect change. And you could argue that there were some encouraging signs later in the fight, you know, when she did clinch and did go for a takedown. Let me just read two more tweets from me. Yeah. If I pay, um, yeah because a lot of people went back and forth at her and she responded to one of them. He did talk to her like a significant other. You moron. She looked like a browbeaten girl under the thumb of her much older coach and partner. He wasn't motivating. He was tearing her down. How people can't see it blows my mind. And then she went on to say it's abuse because he is her significant other asking a fighter repeatedly, what the fuck are you doing? And waiting for a reply until all she can do is look at the ground of where her confidence is going. It's one thing to fire a fighter up. It's another to break their spirit. And again, again, I mean, there are parallels in all walks of life, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've talked about when I'm parenting my daughter, it's like, honey, can you please – can you please go brush your teeth? And it's not working. It's like, Riley, can you brush your fucking teeth? And then she's upset, but she goes and brushes her teeth. Um, I don't know, man. Like I just didn't feel like Aspen Lad was um, – was in a good place mentally, physically, or otherwise. I mean, she, like, didn't want to be there at all. Like, she didn't really fight, like, up to her potential at all. She was favored to win this fight. Go ahead,
4: Kenny. You know, we could, we could, let's, let's twist it the other way. Let's, let's say he goes out there and says, you're doing a great job. You know, let's stick to the game plan. She goes out there and she gets knocked out. And now his girlfriend is knocked out and she's hurt potentially irreparably. Yeah, sure. And 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 now because she felt good out there and she was confident, her spirits were high. She now got hurt physically. So uh, again, it it, it's a tricky situation. Um, and and I think that, you know, uh, it's one that isn't, you know, so easily answered. But at the same time, we can definitely go the other way and say, hey, you're doing great out there. Keep it up. You know, uh, do this, do that. And she goes out there and gets hurt. So it's like. I don't know, man. Um, I, I think uh, – I don't know. Can we can, – none of us can know what the relationship is like or Fair. how each other respond to right. each other. And for someone to chime in, even for Misha or whatever, and say, hey, this is wrong with – I don't know the dynamic right. of that relationship. I don't sure. know how – you
3: know. and if you want to criticize me for doing that, have at it, right? I think Misha with her wealth of experience watching fights, you know, this is her perception of this situation and my read on it could be totally wrong. Like I think Jim West at his core is a good dude and a very good coach and a good MMA mind who has an athlete who he thinks can be champion. And she just wasn't performing at all, but these opportunities are few and far between. And I think Misha and I are looking at an athlete, um, that isn't, seemingly responding to this coach and maybe aspen will come out and say that we have misread the situation you know um but aspen hasn't really said much more other than owning the
4: loss and it could just be her like you know it it could be an issue with her you know like you know what i've had a lot of shitty days in the gym i've had some shitty days on fight nights too where it doesn't matter what you said i I wasn't gonna be there i wasn't gonna be able to do what the hell i wanted to do and That happens too, whether, you know, whether it's mental, spiritual, physical, whatever, a lot of crap can happen in between camps or before fights. And, you know, um, it's unfortunate. That's the thing. We don't have the opportunity to come back the next Sunday and perform. It's, you know, every couple months or whatever it is, whatever your fight schedule is. And uh, that one shot is all you got.
1: You know, listen, man, I think, you know, the other thing is, I do think Misha is coming from a right, the right spot. Also, I think she, I I think, look, I think it's based on her situation. What she went through maybe is she's more sensitive to some things. But I think she's trying to highlight something also that whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I don't think she's doing it in a bad way. She sensed something while she was watching that fight and she voiced it. But I mean, let's let's face anybody ever go out with a you ever go out with a girl that just got out of a really bad relationship. You know what that's like listening to that. They're, they're scorned, man. They're, they're just, yeah. that, shit is, yeah. that shit is rough, John. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. That. So I think Misha's got to take a step back also and go, let me just make sure I'm not literally projecting my own shit onto this situation. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I'd love to hear from Aspen Ladd. And I'm going to go back and look at that fight just to get a, a better idea. But <clears throat> my, my look, my coaching philosophy, you do whatever it takes to get that W. I don't give a shit what it is. I don't care what other people think. I don't care if they think I'm screaming. They think I'm not giving technical. Like the guy doesn't know technical advice. Guy's been with me 10 years. He knows exactly what to do. You can remind them, but sometimes you got to get up his ass and get him to fucking do it. That's the problem. So, whatever. you call
4: your
3: athletes differently based on their disposition? A hundred percent. Everybody's different. Yeah, and right. You know, like I I know what I I I mean leadership yeah, styles no i yeah. just think we all respond to different leadership styles yeah, right like if yeah. i was designing a corner for a fight um you know i i respond to the jim west of the world large yeah. you know. uh, I, I think um, there's right.
1: you know, it seems at this point there's nothing wrong with again look we're in a social climate where things that you can't even you you can't mention the word fat. You can't do this. You can't do that. And this looks like another case. Now you're not allowed to talk to your fighter in a certain way. You're, you're being condescending. They have a relationship. They know exactly what the, what's going on.
4: Right. She, you know I, Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. A great example was your, was the fight with Murab. Like what, yeah. what would have happened if you told Murab he was doing a great job, keep doing what you're doing out there in round one. And yeah. you were being so overly nice to him. Like, you went there and motivated him and yeah. obviously switched things around, right? I mean, based on, literally, Kenny,
1: based on a conversation I had with him less than 24 hours ago, I wanted to reinforce what we talked about yeah. and, you know, get him going. And he, he he got technical. He said, do you want me to keep it standing up? Do you want me to take it, you know, take it? To, no, I want you to fake the takedown to open up the hands to get the takedown again. And he yeah. went out and did exactly that. So I don't know if you want to consider that technical. But no, I is, want sure. I know I know Marlon didn't want to be on the floor. So it's like when you get punched in the balls, right? Anybody even goes to flick you in the balls. You're twitching <laughs> all over the place, right? Yeah. So he don't want to be on the floor. So yeah. let's work off of that. Open up the hands because Marab does have some power. And look what he did. He, right fake, right hand, knocked them down, put him down. Everything works out. Thank God, right? So and there's gonna be times it doesn't work out. But that's the fight game, man.
3: Last thing I'll say, some have alleged, Kenny, that I have a gender bias when I look in these corners. And there may be some truth to that, right? Like I'm trying to be self-reflective as I look at these situations. And, you know, when Ray is lighting up Mirab, or maybe it's Safe Saud, I mean, there's certainly times. Safe Saud is one of my best friends in MMA, but certainly there are times when he's talking to Damon Jackson most recently. I'm like, dude, would it would a little tact fucking kill you, you know, like so it's not that I'm always thinking about sure. it in but I just did not at all like the visuals that I was seeing in the Aspen Lad corner, and I wonder if Jim West at one point had said, "Aspen, do you want to be here like do you want to fight? I wonder if she would have given him a response, um yes or no, you know uh I just didn 't like what I was seeing there, and uh, I'm very curious to see Aspen Lad's next fight, obviously because of this whole dynamic and everything else
1: and one one more thing, John too, is like. I don't, like again, I got to go back and look. I don't want to. I'm just, my whole basis here is based on what you're telling me. Sure. Basically. But I can tell you from what you're telling me, I felt like that a bunch of times in the corner. That's not, you know, that shit happens where you're like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, what? Why do we even bother training? Yeah. Right.
3: Like if you, you ever just- corner your wife, though, What was that? Did you ever corner your wife, though? It's a little different. It adds, no. there's a, a different dynamic at play.
1: Well, I've cornered her, but I've cornered her like in the bathroom. Right, right. right. Yeah, you're, uh, Are you talking about that type of cornering? Yeah,
3: right, right, right.
1: Cornered of right, right. I cut it you know, off right there. there. Right. We're in the closet. That's good. I yeah. right. Oh, it's yeah. a different corner. Sorry Right.
3: right. <laughs> I just I have cornered my wife. I right. her <laughs> In the laundry room. With oh, my God. Right. 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 of my wife. How dare you? Is that a little personal on this <laughs> I mean, I guess there's probably a parallel to be drawn for Keith Lori, and cornering Kenny, right? I think right. when there's blood uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or that, yeah. uh, a significant other, there's just a different, um, a different thing, you know? Like they're holding Keith Florian back. He's trying to get his brother out of the sauna so he doesn't perish, right? And they're like holding Keith back. I mean. Yeah, Is that just an anecdote or did that happen? I don't
4: know. Probably. <laughs> it probably did happen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right. you,
1: oh, are you jealous of his relationship with his
3: brother? <laughs> <laughs> Am I jealous of his relationship with Keith? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, probably. I mean, I why, no, man. I'm an it's, identical twin. This, so this I think romance, this,
1: of this so. romance is, is thicker than I thought it was. This is crazy. Thick
3: as thieves, Ray. Thick as Thick thieves. 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 Love. Oh, my what my else do you got? All right. My good friend R.J. Clifford, whom you may have heard on Sirius XM, wrote on Instagram about Jim Miller. It's one thing for low damage grapplers like a Randy Couture or a Damien Maya to have long careers. But Jim Miller is an all action fighter with dozens of wars to his name and still has 50 fights and scorches newbies just a legend uh nrj obviously has a way with words and jim miller has 22 ufc wins kenny at 155 pounds at least 21 of those are at lightweight uh i don't even know if i want to have a hall of fame conversation or if i want to have like a jim miller appreciation conversation but to deal with the lyme disease that put his career in jeopardy and to come out the other side and dust a dude like this at his age and at this stage of his career um all hail New Jersey's Jim Miller here on a Monday. Ken Flo, what do you got?
4: His durability is just unbelievable, and Crazy. proves that it certainly is a uh, a superpower. He's been around a long time, and I think it was you know one of the broadcasters talking about how his goal was to fight at UFC 100, UFC 200, and UFC 300. I fought BJ Penn at UFC 101, so to put that into context was just like. Right. hundred pay-per-views. I mean, unbelievable how long he has been fighting. And, and I agree with RJ, the fact that, you know, he is very much a fighter's fighter. Um, he's, uh, he's going to try to take you down, but he's also willing to brawl with you. And, you know, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see him go out there and take out some, some new blood. Now, this guy was very green, right? I mean, he he threw a, a very reckless kick up in the air and just kind of charged Jim Miller and ran into uh, another left hand from Jim that just kind of folded him like fresh laundry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing, man. Jim is as tough as they come. I, I have so much respect for the dude. He can win in a lot of different ways. He's as tough as they come, like I said. And, um, yeah, just awesome to see him do well, man. A guy from kind of my generation right. is still in there fighting. Wow,
3: and we know Longo has a deep-rooted Northeast bias. So uh, I assume
4: you're a Jim Miller uh, supporter. Very. Let's rephrase that. Very
1: deep-rooted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, just two words: built tough. I mean, this guy, um, dude, that's not easy what he's doing. And to me, he is a hundred percent a Hall of Famer, just for his consistency and his durability. And how how old could he be now? i just saw, i just saw frankie turn forty which i'm in shock over yeah frankie edgar is forty years old i mean right. those guys fought each other on one of the my ring of combat shows years ago i mean that? that's crazy yeah that's wild. 40 years old but this guy nonstop i think he's a great guy to look at if you're never gonna become a champion this is the route you go <laughs> it's just right. not, no, absolutely you know, think about it it's not easy to do that they they didn't get rid of him or whatever so he's Always comes to fight, win or lose, and then he comes back again. He's he's unbelievable. That's not an easy thing to do because people get hurt. Uh, they're out for a year or two. Yeah. He's 22 wins and 50 fights. Go, good luck, man. And
3: you know what's crazy, Ray? I'm sitting next to Ken Flo in bristol connecticut in 2008 we're filming mma live which was a show that we used to do way back when. and we broke the news on mma live we probably didn't break it but we offered up the news on mma live that jim miller and his brother dan had both signed with the ufc and here we are 13 years later and and he's going to be a record record holder across uh ufc annals i mean Andre Orlovsky factors into this conversation because they both won on this night, but I think it stands to reason that Jim Miller is going to retire as the UFC's all-time leader in wins and appearances. Uh, And it's remarkable. How about Orlovsky at 42, Ray, before we let you go?
1: I tell you what, yeah, that definitely another, uh, I'll say I was a hundred percent wrong. I thought he was finished after the uh, Anthony Johnson fight going back. You know what I mean? Like another guy that's found a way to just stay in there Uh, and win it's it's crazy and and he won that fight i don't i I believe that was the right decision i think i saw that fight
3: 21 Uh, ufc wins for arlovsky and he really has to fight you with a game plan a strategic way uh he didn't sort of engage felipe in the type of brawl that felipe probably wanted and uh incredible gotta feel good for arlovsky that show money's pretty good ken for arlovsky unbelievable Yeah, uh, I mean, all right, Ray. What else you got before we let you fly? We got the Dockus brothers out of Philadelphia coming up here in about three minutes. So,
1: Good. please tell them I said hello. Uh, two two really nice guys. I mean, I I got to spend some time with uh, the heavyweight Chris Chris. Chris. Yeah. Really what, what a nice guy. Yeah, the, the cop from Philly. You are talking yeah. about? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When did you? Well, he fought on Marab's card. Marab and him fought together. All oh, right, was right. Bus going somewhere, but got to talk to him a little bit. He's just a dead did look. These East Coast guys are built different, can he know they're just whatever, I think so. whatever whatever's missing on the talent side is just oh made up twenty fold on the heart side. It's just the way it is this kid's he's knocking the cover off the ball, this guy yeah, it's yeah. I, I wish him the, wish him the best, but uh before that, let me just touch up. I got uh, a bunch of people fighting in the ring of combat this week too uh, Dylan montello's fighting for a title, James Gonzalez. Defending his title, I believe. Uh Dennis Bazooka, Lauren Braccia. Uh oh man, come on, who else? Oh, Damian Nelson. How are you gonna kid.
3: forget fucking Damian Nelson? No.
1: Look for that guy, man. What a great forward. Yeah, no, I do know look, Damian. Uh, I'm just wondering uh, I how you
3: were gonna Nelson. list all those names and forget Damian Nelson, is all I'm wondering,
1: <laughs> you know. And the lone wolf, I believe, uh hungry wolf. Some sort I, of I wolf. know
3: Mike Trezano is the lone wolf. Is that oh yes. Yeah. So maybe I
1: this guy's uh, it's like a pack wolf. I think I don't know. Hey, like I'm, I'm blocking on his uh, Christian Alcala. Sorry, Christian. All so
3: right. I think so I got everybody. Christian, you listen to the Anakin Florian podcast. This guy butcher your name. Uh, Fifty thousand right. listeners. Hey, listen.
1: I'm I'm really horrible with names, and you could you could do, call me anything you want. Really seriously. I wouldn't care. Just don't call know, me. <laughs> You know what just, I mean? There you go. Hey, <laughs>
4: just the, uh, non, say, the non-English, the non non-Italian names. You, you don't know. Yeah, Frank Pizzarelli.
1: Those names, I uh, get them good. <laughs>
3: hey, I arrive, uh, I arrive in New York City on Halloween, so I'm going to be there for like eight nights, so hopefully we can... Uh, really? We can Halloween? On. Come on, yeah. man. Can I'm straight you... from Abu Dhabi, you know? Wow. Thank so, God I'm running that bus. I know, I know. <laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> Oh, oh so you're coming
1: from here, huh? from Abu Dhabi to New York. Straight to New York,
3: yeah. The uh, back what was, to back.
1: What's your bucket list in New York? What do you want to do?
3: Well, Have my only bucket Trump. list item in New York is to actually go to the U.S. Open, Flushing Meadows. Oh, man. I, I used, obviously I used, it's not happening right now. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I love seeing, seeing Broadway shows. I think I would like to see Hamilton at one, at one point. Uh, uh, what's the best slice, slice of pizza in New York?
1: Uh, we gotta think about that. We got we yeah. got some connections, though. I think we're doing something. I uh, got a nice no, Italian place. At... Wear a bulletproof vest. I think that's <laughs> recommended.
3: Your daughter's still <laughs> trick or treat now. Those days no. have long past, huh?
1: No, definitely not. You know, I tell you, I, I I was at that U.S. Open probably like seven years in a row. What a beautiful stadium, Arthur Ashe is beautiful.
3: That's just under the lights because I grew up just staying up late. Late yeah. summer watching Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras and everybody else. Yeah, that, and, uh, those,
1: those were the years I was going to the, uh, mm-hmm. the, to the open. Yep. Pete Sampras. Yeah, to the
3: surprise of many, my bucket list sporting event is, is a nighttime match at the U S open.
1: Oh man.
3: Wish Sampras was still playing chem flow. So I could root against that guy. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the all right, Ray. Uh, great day, better evening. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday if you can squeeze us in. We have a special Sunday show next week because special uh, Sunday show. Well, because we got we got some of our chem flows traveling, and I'm going to Abu Dhabi, so we're trying to get it in next Sunday. So, since you don't watch the NFL, maybe you can squeeze us in.
1: I'm re- I'm raring to go. Whatever time you want on Sunday, and I'm thinking about we got to do something when you
3: come in. I would love to. We'll connect yeah. uh, off yeah. the air, and uh, we'll talk to you in a week. Thank you, my man. All right, man. Take it easy, guys. All right. Right, you there he is, the Ray Longo Minute, every godforsaken Monday here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right, so we go from New York to uh, to Philadelphia. Let's get to the Docus boys. All right, so if you don't know, now joining us, a pair of brothers from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, that are really making their presence felt in the UFC. Seventh-ranked heavyweight contender Chris Docus, middleweight beast Kyle Dacus. Uh, Great to have you with us. So we're going to sort of ping-pong back and forth. Um, Kyle, how do we sound? Do we sound okay to you? All good, yep. All right, so we got to start with you. I've been waiting to talk to you since that Kevin Holland fight uh, ended in a no contest not all that long ago. It was actually 16 days ago on October 2nd. Um, We've spent a lot of time, obviously, on it over the last two weeks. You know, largely, I think you got kind of hosed, but um, you've had time to digest it now. Um, What do you have for our audience in terms of that result and how you sort of dealt with the aftermath of it?
0: Um. I don't know. I think that, like, the referee... uh, It's kind of like the referee's mistake as far as everything. Um, Just based off of the situation. Because he he headbutted the... He headbutted them. I mean, sorry. The head head clash. And then because he let the um, fight continue so long and then the result had happened that I had choked him and stuff. I think just him making it so long at the end of the fight, that kind of caused the issue on his part, I think. But, I mean, the fight... Happened. Uh, it's good that it's happening again, and I'm excited to just get back in there and kind of choke them out again.
3: <laughs> yeah, rematch is agreed through for November 13th, and obviously with heightened anticipation, if not stakes. Um, did you see Dan mergliatta walk back up the stairs and audibly say, "Let's just leave it the way it is"? Did you see that, or were you just sort of processing everything that yeah. was happening? No,
0: yeah, when, when I was in there, I was. I was like fully in. I was hearing everything that they were saying. Um, Dan said he was going to leave it as it was. Uh, so we were like, like, my corner man gave me a thumbs up. Uh, my, my other corner man, Jim, gave me right. a thumbs up and said like, yo, like, we're good. But then as soon as I saw uh, Mark Smith throw the yellow light up, I started talking to uh, Chris and pointing at the at the, the yellow light and saying like, it's a replay. And as soon as I saw that that was going to go up, I knew that it was going to be either no contest or some, some other issue was going to happen.
3: So, Chris, obviously you're right there. I've since talked to a commissioner uh, about how it all transpired, and he reiterated to me that the power definitely still resides with the referee, even though it appeared in this instance that the review official kind of reigned supreme. I guess the reason I kind of felt like Kyle got screwed is because – there's not a lot of guys who can submit Kevin Holland. So if that fight goes back to the stools, right. And then it resumes, then Kyle has a great chance to get a win, but it's like you go out and submit the guy and they take that away. I don't know. I was feeling for your little bro.
2: Yeah. It it definitely sucked the the whole situation. Um, you know, it's, it's really sucks that, uh, that the rematch is, you know, obviously overclouded by this, um, you know as to the skill set i mean if you look at strictly the numbers and how the fight was going before then uh kyle was super dominant in that in everything um i think kevin landed 29 i'm sorry he threw 29 strikes and landed 27 of them but you know the 27 of them were um you know slaps and foot stomps against the cage you know he he was extremely dominant in the uh in the in the whole fight and I think that that's like one of the main things that people are missing about this they you know everyone's saying oh he, he got lucky or you know he you know, it was only a matter of time before he got knocked out like what what part of that fight dictated that narrative like he was absolutely dominant every second of that fight
4: yeah Kyle um you know it, it seems like you were in a situation once that they let that fight play out you really were kind of in a situation where um, you couldn't win right because everything was gonna yeah. favor um you know holland at that point is that the way that you saw that
0: uh in a way um i knew that if the roles were reversed that it, it, it might have stayed the same like he would have got the win like i'm not i'm not saying that like yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be biased or anything like that or, yeah. or whatnot but i feel like because he has another next to his name because he's a big he's a big known guy that they would have kind of just kept it as it was and then probably just moved on um, but because now he has a number next to his name and people love him, um, it's an issue, but it's something that we have to deal with.
4: So m- moving forward, knowing what you know about Holland now, do you feel like this gave you some good information for November, for November 13th, for the rematch The kind of, where, you know, you know, where you need to take this fight?
0: Yeah. Uh, I know that like, I felt her strength in the cage. She felt my strength. He knows that I'm, um, a lot stronger than him. Um, and, you know, we were just getting started. We were just getting warmed up. And I know that the, the fights not going to be the same. I'm not changing my game plan up or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to go in there and do the same thing that I did. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago. And I see the same result. I see me subbing him either in the, in the first or, or the second.
3: Well, the one lock of the fucking century was that Kyle was going to take the high road after the fight. That's why I had to come on the airwaves and say, to anyone who was listening, that you got fucking hosed because no, it just, I don't know. I just don't feel, I feel like I got some clarity from the commission insofar as the referee does still wield the power, but I felt like the referee here got persuaded. And again, I just keep coming back to submission offense being a lost start. Um, but my listeners are, are going to kill me if I hammer it any longer. So, Chris, let's get to you for a second. Um, is it really just 15 months on the roster? Is that? Is that right? 15 months, roughly, since you signed? Yeah,
2: that, that's – uh, yeah, since I signed, yeah. It was uh, August of uh 2020, so yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. You know, Kyle made his debut, um, I think it was June, against Brendan Allen, and then I shortly right. got the call afterwards, so yeah.
3: It's just got to be amazing to the family to – for both of you guys, but Chris, for you, obviously to have these type of results so quickly for zero in the UFC with as many knockouts, three straight bonuses. Um, and now the main event, obviously coming up against Derek Lewis on December 18th. So I, I, read an article on UFC.com recently about sort of this fast track relative to your expectations for your career. Um, I mean, you certainly seem ready for prime time, but is it safe to say that things have happened even quicker than you thought they would?
2: Yeah, this is this whole, uh, my career in the UFC really, uh, really took off. I didn't expect it to take off this test or plan on any of this. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'm not taking any steps back. Obviously this is what we want. Um, you know, so as far as, you know, this whole whirlwind, I'm still ready to wake up and think this is all a dream as far as, you know, making my yep. debut, running through these people and then getting a main event spot.
3: That UFC.com article, Kyle, by the way, uh, they, they, talked about Chris's son as both Cooper and Carter. So I'm trying to do my research. Cooper is your son's name, is that right?
0: <laughs> it's, his, his son's name is Cooper. Yeah,
3: yeah. All right, is there a carter Docus out there that I don't know about? <laughs> not uh, that you I mean, I mean, not <laughs> right. I, mean, I like both names, but all right, so your son Cooper.
2: How old is Cooper, by the way? He'll be three in January.
3: So did you guys have any parental or paternal pressure to to go into police work chris or did that sort of materialize you know naturally
2: uh you know it was it was kind of pushed by my dad he's he's a sergeant in the SWAT team here in philadelphia so it was always there it was always a part of the family um i was in college and you know the the police were hiring he was always pushing to just come take the test you know you could always turn it down just see how the test goes um i took the test just to kind of get him off my back um i didn't hear anything for a full calendar year so like i i took the test in july of 2011 and i didn't hear anything um i'm sorry of uh, 2010 and i didn't hear anything until july of 2011 and they called me on like a friday they're like hey you start monday morning you'll get all your uniforms and everything you need and i was kind of like all right i i guess this is what i'm doing now and then right. i've been here ever since so
3: I just find it interesting as a young father and you go all in on MMA and certainly you have a great career that you can fall back on, but can you even describe for us what it's like to like bring bonuses home when you have like a little boy and a family, depending on you, uh, it's just gotta be a really special thing. I would think.
2: Nah. Yeah. It's, it, it's really crazy that uh, you know, I've, I've been able to get a single bonus, let alone three bonuses. Um, you know, back to back to back like that so it's really good um obviously the tax man's got to get paid so the of tax man course. gets paid of course. and then uh and then everything that's left over from the tax man robbed me yeah. is, uh, is getting put in the bank account for my son so yeah it, it, it's really good and uh it's a really good startup for him and, and whatever he wants to do uh as far as his life
3: like the only point of comparison for me is like I bet on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl a few years ago and I made like seven grand, right? And so bring in that seven grand to my wife. It's like, look at this mother, All right? There's seven k on the don't ever you know so it's like, i can't even imagine to knock out another man and bring fifty thousand dollars home if i like if i knocked out another man and brought my wife 50k <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a hall pass for the rest of my life to do whatever i want you know yeah I don't
2: know. it's awesome yeah i gotta start submitting people though the, the wife's getting used to the uh 50k bonuses right. so I, I can't be doing that
3: And Sean <laughs> Shelby does have a submission bias in terms of the bonuses so i should tell you guys that so kyle Is it? Did you weigh two sixty coming out of high school?
0: Yeah, I did. Wow. It's uh, yeah. I hate it when people keep bringing this up. It's not fun. Yeah. Well,
3: (laughs) you look great now, obviously, but I bring it up in the context of your brother, who seems to get like smaller and leaner every time we see it. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, at his last fight, we saw Ray Longo and, and Matt Sarah, and Ray Longo came up to me and he was like, "Holy shit!" He was like. You're a middleweight? And I was like, yeah. He's like, and you make the cut, no problem. I was like, yeah, it's pretty easy. I was really surprised. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'm that big of a middleweight. And and then I see pictures of me and Chris together, and I look like a little bit bigger. And I'm like, Ooh. He, needs to, <laughs> he needs to stay big, though. I'm not going to keep getting bigger. No.
3: <laughs> so, Chris, hopefully, Rich Poehler uh, is not talking to you about 205 pounds. You're staying at heavyweight, correct?
2: No. As far as far as I know, and as far as right now in my career, I'm staying at at heavyweight. I just killed a a ribeye. I just bought a bunch more at uh, at Sam's Club, so I'm gonna be growing them up and eating them. Uh, you know, uh, if I make a two hundred five, you know, jump, uh, I'm gonna be super upset, and my wife is probably gonna be super upset <laughs> during that whole camp. But uh, no, I mean, it, it's really good to to you know tell myself that I'm eating clean with like a buffalo chicken wrap every once in a yeah, while. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, I. I got like chicken breasts and like sweet potatoes and stuff. And, uh, like a treat, I'll do a Buffalo chicken wrap or something like that. So that's good.
3: Well, we were all sort of marveling after your last fight about just how calm you both are in combat. But for you, Chris, it's almost like, I think I was saying to Paul Felder, it's like, well, his opponent doesn't have like a bunch of guns and knives that he's hiding. So Chris feels pretty confident you know, going up against another human weapon, so to speak. Um, but does that does that serve to help you be calm? Just because you've been in some crazy spots there uh, in Philly, or not?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it it definitely plays a factor as far as uh you know keeping my my nerves. Um, you know, it, in the in the streets, when you're a police officer, in certain situations, it becomes a life or death situation. So, um, I've been in certain situations where you know I I you know I was okay with that. Um, and you know, fighting in a cage is, 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 probably fine with me. Um, what really gets my nerves going, honestly, and I've talked about this before is like public speaking and just like, uh, you know, even doing the ceremonial weigh-ins, like with your voice, like hearing your voice, like announcing me and like the crowd going wild, like, cause that was a whole new thing for me. So yeah. that, that really gets like my nerves going and, and yeah. just like, I wanted to fight right down in there. So yeah, that, that's <laughs> the main thing that that really gets me going. So.
3: That's cool. It's funny because I tell people when I go to, like, read to a kindergarten class, I get more nervous than, like, starting a pay-per-view because it's just at my comfort zone. I got fucking 35-year-olds looking at me like, who's this guy, you know? Um <laughs> All right. Just a couple more things before we get you fellas out of there, out of here. So Randy Brown, who just had a big win a couple weeks ago. So he recently went out to a couple of bigger gyms. I think King's MMA was one of them. Um, not with the intent to change camps, but really just to see where his level was at relative to Marvin Vittori and Kelvin Gaslam and maybe some other guys who he deemed to be elite. Um, We'll start with you, Kyle. Have you left Philly recently or otherwise to get different looks? And is that something that you even think about?
0: Uh, so first, like two years ago, I think it was before my contender series fight. I went out to, I went up to TriStar just to like kind of get, get a different feel. Um, okay. I knew a couple of the guys that were out there. I knew, uh, Zach Makovsky and, um, Andrew Sanchez, who's now at AKA, um, so just training with, them. I just got up there just to get some extra work with them. But I didn't get intentionally go up there just to see like where my talents meet other guys that are in the division or in my division. Um, no, nah, I mean the gym that we have here in Philly, it's it's we have a, a bunch of big guys, and we're not really. I don't think. I mean, me, Chris isn't either. I'm not one to go out there and try to search and. Have a big ego when I fight or when I train, like going to other gyms and fighting guys that are in my weight class, and and kind of thing. I don't. I'm not going out there to try to do all that stuff. But yeah,
3: yeah. Well, because Randy Chris has always been sort of a homebody, and he bleeds New York loud and proud. And uh, I think this was just a huge confidence builder for him to know that he's getting every bit the work he needs back home.
2: You know. No. Yeah. I, and you know, absolutely. I what what Kyle was saying. I I really. I've never really trained anywhere else. Um, I've, you know, obviously I have, I know people who live in the surrounding States like Maryland and New, and New Jersey, who were a bigger guys. So I would obviously travel to their gyms, but it was never like a testing, you know, a test yourself. It was more of, I just need bigger people to work with. Right. And those are where the bigger guys are. Those are where the bigger guys were at. Um, I think that obviously, uh, myself and Kyle are both at the elite level in the sport. Um, so there's really no need for us to go anywhere else. I mean, if people want to come train with us and test themselves with us, doors open, you know, shoot me a message. And, uh, you know, we got no problem with, uh, with, and, uh, letting, you know, opening the door up for, for some people to come in. So, you know, but I'm super happy with the core group of guys that we have. And, um, you know, my brother is the same way. We have the same group of guys for the past couple of fights. And I wouldn't change anyone out for any other, you know, big name in this sport or anything like that besides those guys i uh,
3: love it i love to hear it east coast baby and if you stay long enough maybe you pick up a little bit of that philadelphia accent you hear in chris yeah, all right.
2: yeah a little bit
3: Yeah, no i like it i went to gettysburg college in pennsylvania so it brings me back to uh to my college days all my good friends from a- ashby pennsylvania i believe it was aston pennsylvania excuse me all right All right, so a couple things on the way out. Um, Kyle, if you could pick one Philadelphia sports team to win a championship next, would it be the Eagles, the Flyers, the Phillies, or the Sixers?
0: I'm a big Eagles guy, so Eagles. Has Chris, to be the Eagles. Same
3: question. If you could pick one of yeah. those four teams to break through next, I mean Eagles obviously won a Super Bowl not all that long ago. Who who would you pick?
2: Yeah, not too long ago. I'll just go to the Flyers because the Flyers have been shooting themselves in the foot every every season. Like they like they draft good and then they trade away like, for shitty players and then it's like <laughs> oh this is the year, this is the year, and then they just suck. So I really wish the Flyers could get it together.
3: All right, Kyle, uh, Kevin Holland is number 14 in the world. You know, part of the reason I was bemoaning the no contest was because you would be ranked for this conversation right now. But, um, do you have another call out planned of another ranked guy? If you do get by Kevin Holland on November 13th, you don't have to share the name, but I'm just curious if you're progressively thinking.
0: (laughs) No, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't think like once I do win, I don't think I'm in any position to call anybody out. Um, I have my eyes set on, you know, everybody that's in front of me. Um, uh, I mean, there's fights that I like, and, and there's fights with my manager that I like to see if I can try to get them. Um, but yeah, I mean, all right, I'll, I'll name drop. So the, the Edmund Chabesian <laughs> fight. It's about time, Jesus off. Christ! <laughs> yeah, right. Edmund Chabesian. I think that would be a good matchup. That fight, that fight, yeah, I think I play sense. well in against both of those guys. But yeah, yeah th- I, I mean, like they're that. they're both young guys, and I think it's a good fight.
3: And Chris, last thing before we softly broach the nickname topic. Um Derek Lewis, December eighteenth, man. Um, what are your thoughts on him and, and how does he compare to maybe the heavyweight that would be the toughest matchup for you?
2: Uh, you know, as of right now, he's he's the toughest matchup, I think. Um, just on paper. Um he's got that one knockout power that everyone has to be for uh, you know aware of no matter um what time is going on the flight could be five seconds in or five seconds left he has that that turn your that turn a switch off type power um i think he's more dangerous than francis in the fact that he probably carries more power throughout the whole fight francis obviously is uh like a marauder he's, he's like a berserker in the in the beginning of of every fight um and then you know i just really think that he's he's obviously the the toughest guy that i've fought to, to date and i i just think, I'm I'm better than them everywhere. So, we'll see how it goes.
3: Can't wait to watch it. And then last thing. So, largely, I love it when like fighters don't have a nickname. You guys don't need nicknames, right? Yeah. Um, but no. we were t- no. So, well, we were talking about it recently. I think on this show. <laughs> after one of your big wins, and I was like, you know, Chris Docus, the whole name is three syllables. Like, Kyle Docus, you could argue, is three or four, but, you know, for a buffer of the world, he can punch Kyle Docus, right? So, of course, lo and behold, our executive producer, Cody Merrow, throws out, Chris Dark Horse Dacus and look like you embraced it a little bit on social media. So I guess we just want to know, I'm I'm not paging like the UFC bio researcher, Tom Gervaisi, but like if we drop a dark horse on the broadcast, like, are you okay with that?
2: (laughs) I I, I am okay with that. Um, If you drop it on the broadcast, I'm probably not going to pick it up as like my official nickname. Um, I just just never really had a nickname, never really cared for the nicknames. Um, When people like when Bruce is like announcing you, you know, I'm I'm kind of like zoning Bruce out because if I don't zone Bruce out, like, right, I'm right. ready to run through a wall. Like, I'm just ready to go. So I, I have <laughs> to keep my nerves in check and just kind of like, don't pay attention to he, what he's doing or, you know, saying. So, you know, if, if he wants to call me the dark horse, he can call me the dark horse. If not, then it doesn't matter to me.
3: Well, and you're smart to tune him out because, as you guys know, he does have Philadelphia roots. And he, I told him, I think before Kyle's debut, I was like, "Don't be afraid to punch the Philadelphia. Like that's where you're from." So, um, <laughs> well, in any event, thank you guys so much for the time. I know it's overdue. Kyle Daukus fights Kevin Holland November 13th at 185 pounds, and the main event for Chris against Derek Lewis December 18th, uh, live on ESPN Plus. Fellas, appreciate you. Wish you all the best, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys on the road soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate
2: you guys. Good luck, boys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.
3: There they are, Kyle and Chris Dacus out of Philadelphia, PA. I don't tell Buffer how to do his job, but I'm like, you, 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 Matt, you know, you, you know, <laughs> I'm giving it to the Boston guys. Give a little, you know, give Chris a little Philadelphia, you know, give it a little extra punch.
4: I love it, man. Hey, that That's awesome you were able to get them on the podcast. Uh, big fans of those guys. Um, you know, they've been awesome to watch. They just continue getting better, man, and to see two brothers Fighting uh, at the highest levels of the sport um, is really cool and a very difficult thing to do. So, uh, wish those guys the best, man.
3: And middleweight is so ruthless. Like Kyle's really yeah, good, and he's had a one a loss to Brendan Allen and a no contest in there. And uh, you know, he's accrued a lot of of high level experience pretty early on. And he's the younger of the brothers. I think he's just twenty eight. Um, but man, it's happened quickly for Chris fighting Derek Lewis in a couple months. Yeah, yet. man. Uh, you know, very interesting fight. All right, we thank we thank uh, Hector Castro uh, for setting that up with the Dawkins brothers. All right, it is time for the pronunciation of the week as we call on our producer Cody Marrow. So, uh, Chris Dark Horse Dawkins, right? You'll have to settle for me because there's no way Buffer's going to uh, get clearance to say that. So, good uh, that's job. All right. I'm just going to
5: for I'm going to find my way into the arena, I'll forge the sheet, like it'll be fine. <laughs> nice Red Sox hat. Yeah, it's not bad, right? Well, the fighter you're going to ask for, John, is Kike Hernandez. He's the best hitter right. in all of baseball. Right. Any Astros fans listening, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Like, next week, you're going to sing a different tune. But this week, whatever. Ride your high horse, your ball boy's in the way, trying to get runs out of nowhere. Whatever, whatever. We're back in Boston tonight. Or tonight? Tomorrow night. I don't remember.
3: So, as some of our listeners assuredly know, Carlos Correa, who's the shortstop of the Astros, whom I consider a friend. I guess I should say former friend. I did throw away his player T-shirt after game (laughs) one. You got to keep your friends close. I love you, Los. And Lance McCullers with Correa does an MMA podcast in the offseason, right? So Lance McCullers is the number one starter pitching-wise for the Astros, missing the series with an injury. So that's a break for the Red Sox that number 43 is not a part of this series. But uh, 1-1. Game three tonight. Hopefully it goes to the Red Sox. But Cody Merrow, you're here for the pronunciation of the week. This fighter represents the great nation of Argentina. He has lost three straight fights in the UFC. Was to face Jamie Pickett earlier this month, uh, but one of Pickett's coaches tested positive for COVID-19. So the fight delayed two weeks, and now it shall be done this weekend. Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking?
5: I believe you're speaking of Loriano Steropoli.
3: No, that's not at all how you pronounce the first or yeah. last name. Let's hear him, though.
5: Lauriano Staropoli.
3: This is a tough one, Can Flo. Uh, can we hear that once more, CN? Lauriano
5: Staropoli. Agora mais devagar. Lauriano Staropoli. Lauriano Staropoli. Lau, Lau Lau Lauriano Staropoli. Like yeah. Mao. So I'm trying to learn Portuguese, and that's that's one of the things I'm struggling. with. the Mao Mao yeah, Sol Lua, Mao? Everything's on the like the tip the the owl
3: yeah that's a no for me i mean start i'm putting, the, I'm really... putting the work i'm putting no in the i work. know you're putting the work I You know i'm it.
5: not out here on sundays doing fantasy zone instead of I, learning UFC uh, names the surname <laughs> is part right i tell you guys and
3: kenny's probably so sick of me uh on a weekly basis but i shouldn't need phonetics by the time the fight arrives but for this surname starpley uh, I need phonetics, you know, because I don't. I still don't even know which. You think Ray would get that one?
4: yeah, yeah, right. Loria star, then, you know. Oh, Cody, you're not putting God. in the work. You're not going to Argentina in between no. podcasts. If you really cared about, well, I mean, global pandemic.
5: Since I started working, you got a global pandemic. I can't go to Brazil <laughs> 27 times. Like <laughs> right. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right.
3: We got one thing left to do. It's UFC fight night. Costa versus Vittori. It is coming up this Saturday. Believe it might be an early start time. You got to check your local listings, but it's from the UFC Apex on October 23rd. Paolo Costa, Marvin Vittori in the main event. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event
5: challenge. And
3: The time is most definitely
2: now. I finished fights do everything
4: possible to win the main event challenge the john Ennick and kenny florian podcast
3: all right joining us to make picks today a very special guest ufc bantamweight former all-american wrestler at menlo college i was digging into the menlo college wrestling archives 2008 style this morning uh podcast host and so much more she is ashley evans smith great to see you babe how are you this morning
6: i'm awesome i'm really excited to be on guys thank you so much for having me
3: so, what time do you usually wake up? Because we had you waking up at like eight a.m. Pacific today to come on our show. So,
6: you know, I, this is really like my lunchtime because I'm such a grandma. I'm like <laughs> up at five thirty. I'm in bed Whoa. by nine thirty. Yeah, it's it's not rebel girl esque <laughs> at all. <laughs> but uh, I'm going through uh, recovery right now, so I'm getting up early and I'm going to my PT. I'm eating good. I'm sleeping. Like I'm being. I'm. Living life like uh, to the T, just so I can get back in the cage sooner. So I've been up for a
4: while, guys. <laughs> How about that? She's ready to uh, go. Uh, Ashley, can you talk about the surgery? What exactly did you have done, and how's the recovery going? And, and, and when can we see you next in, in, in the cage?
6: Oh yeah, Kenny, I I, uh, I stalked your guys' last podcast. I know you're dealing with some own sciatica back yes. yourself. So yes. uh I bet you're personally invested in this one. I basically yeah. had an artificial disc inserted uh, in my C six, C seven, like so I've got some titanium alloy, plastic metal in there. What happened from so many years of wrestling, the vertebrae were kind of grinding on each other and causing nerve damage all down the left side of my body. So I fought my last fight uh, back in November. I had been dealing with a lot of pain. Long story short, I fought regardless didn't go my way and then I got surgery December 14th like a week later and it's just been a really long recovery process Aljo is currently uh dealing with the same recovery and when I heard he was going to get back in the cage like after four months I was like oh, it's amazing it's a miracle and then it didn't happen and I was like okay that that seems about right because this right seems, right it, it hasn't been fun but I'm on the road to recovery and uh I don't want to give you a solid you know, time frame in case it doesn't go my way. But I'd like to say mid-2022, just ready to go, full fight camp, no injuries, new body parts ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome, (laughs) exciting. And it's
3: interesting because Ray Longo is on our show every week. And anytime we brought up Aljamain Sterling and October 30th, he didn't want to have that noise, right? Because I think internally Ray was thinking, like, dude, you're not fighting. Like, this isn't happening, you know? So,
6: yeah. I mean, you want to do everything you can to believe that you can do it, you know? uh, They say sports are 90, 80, whatever percent mental. I fully agree. But if you're having that kind of pain, the the kind of pain that I was dealing with, and, and continue to struggle with in my recovery. You don't want to fight for, you don't want to defend your right, title with right. that. Yeah.
3: So you fought once in 2018, 19 and 2020, actually the last <laughs> fight was Norma Dumont. So were you watching that main event with any added heightened interest this past weekend? So
6: I'll be real, real, real with you guys. I'm very open. I watched the whole card and, you know, leading up to the main event is just highlight reel of Ashley Evans Smith just ah. getting pounded. And I'm like, Oh, this is not good for my mental, you know, but I'm like, okay, I would like to transition into more broadcast post fight career. i got to take it. Just take it. And then, you know, my partner, my boyfriend and I were watching and I'm like, the main event comes on. I'm like, turn the shit off. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't watch the main event. I clicked the next morning. I woke up, you know, and saw that she won. Which, in a weird way, it's like you want that, right? You sure. want the people that beat you. Your stock goes up. It makes you look a little better, I guess. Um, and this girl is no joke. And now that she, and, and I know that personally, and now that she's at featherweight, I feel like she's probably going to be unstoppable. She, you know, she's not struggling to make that that bantamweight weight right. class, um, and that really didn't seem to affect her. Uh, anyway in our fight so uh it was nice to wake up and be like all right I knew I fought a tough bitch <laughs> oh sorry guys. no no that's <laughs> a- oh
3: please no you can uh cuss away here so <laughs> you were 3-0 and as a pro when you made your UFC debut in 2014 against Raquel yeah. Pennington I don't remember much about what was going on in my life seven years ago but what do you remember about that fight and anything else that was like going on in your life at that time, green as hell, obviously making your UFC debut. Uh,
6: I mean, I, I think Kenny can agree. Everyone remembers that first call. It's like their first time. They're like, they'll never forget it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whether it was, whether it was good or bad, you know, it's always been there. And, uh, you know, I was three and oh, such a baby, you know, I know I'm a seasoned veteran now, but I really don't feel that way. As you, mentioned earlier i fight about once a year because of whatever reasons injury pandemic other crap and it's unfortunate but it is what it is so i remember every fight really well it's not like i'm you know andre arlovsky or jim oh. miller who have a buttload of fights and i'm like i kind of remember you know whatever but <laughs> this fight i was three and know oh, i was uh the only real fights i'd had were CFA which is not a promotion anymore and one world series of fighting fight and the UFC called me on short notice two weeks uh, Actually to replace Holly home. Just like this last weekend. She got injured. They called me I said, you know, I told my coach I'm like, I don't know if I feel ready and my old coach at the time Adam Lynn from Subfighter MMA He looked at me and he goes You don't say no when the UFC calls and I was like, oh, I guess you're right So nice. I had to lose 26 pounds in two weeks it was not fun. As a wrestler, I knew I could do it. I was just like, you know, this is this is not how I want to start my career. But but as my coach said, you just don't say no. So took the fight, made the weight, I, I fought Raquel Pennington on two weeks' notice, who is no joke, obviously. And I was doing pretty good in the first round until she caught me with a very unorthodox submission, the bulldog choke, where it's just right. kind of like you really don't see it a lot because it's almost like... Brute, schoolyardish, like you don't see it in in the training room a lot. And honestly, I just never saw it. I didn't defend it. When she locked it in with like 10 seconds left, I literally hear the clack clack and I, oh, I got this. And then (laughs) I woke up on the mat. And so it was a brutal debut, but Like I say, with my career and fighting in general, it's high risk, high reward. And I got a four fight contract. So I do not regret taking that fight. I think the UFC appreciates people who do them a solid, you know, are always down to fight no matter what. And it worked out, you know, I've won some, I lost some, but that was a memorable fight for me.
3: Well, I saw you a couple of weeks ago at the celebration of life for our late, great makeup artist, Susie Freeton, and yeah. just enjoyed talking the fight game with you. So well, we appreciate you joining us today. We got a few picks to make. Um, last thing for me before we make picks in terms of your division, I know you've had time away. Um, mm-hmm. But is it like better for you if Amanda Nunes just keeps beating people like Juliana Pena or do you want this belt change in hands or do you truly not give a shit? Like, I just am curious because you are one of a handful of Bantamweight contenders that hasn't fought her, Amanda. I mean, what do you root for?
6: Well, I always tend to root with my heart as opposed to my head even when i make my picks i really have to turn my heart off and yeah. go with my brain and i did that today uh, cuz i want to win i want to win yeah, i'm going to
3: beat kenpo yeah but
6: uh, <laughs> but in my heart i just i think amanda is such a great representation of our sport she's killing it i love everything she stands for i know her on a personal level i think she's a great human so i want her to just keep reigning sure. and yeah. on a on another personal level as far you know let's say i get back in the cage I win three in a row. I'm in title contention. Of course, I'm going to crap my pants and fight Amanda Nunes. (laughs) But, like, if you haven't noticed, I will always step up to the challenge. So, I mean, yeah, that's what dreams are made of for me. You know, come back, go on a winning spree, and then fight the best of the best. You got to beat the best to be the best. So, yeah, let let Amanda stay there. But make my way up there. I'm going to fight her and then we'll, you know, have a drink afterwards. <laughs> I
5: like that.
3: Well, I was actually thinking about you when Holly home fell out because if you were healthy, you know, potentially rematch Dumas up 10 pounds. Oh. You know, just you haven't mm-hmm. been able to take advantage of all the weird circumstances of this COVID climate because of your health. But as you know, weird shit's happening like week in and week out. So
6: and I don't want to sound salty, but. In a freaking heartbeat, I would rematch right. that girl. Just, there you, you know, because no excuses. I just know that I can give a better performance in the future.
3: Yeah, when you can actually feel the left side of your body. All right, let's make some yeah, picks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got four of them today. First up at featherweight. And if you don't know how good South Korea's Sungwoo Choi is, uh, the odds makers certainly are paying attention. Seems to have figured it out after starting 0-2 in the UFC. He has now won three in a row. As such, he's the minus 280 betting favorite here against Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy comes back at plus two twenty five. Ashley, what do you think about this one at featherweight, and ultimately, who wins it?
6: I really I like this matchup a lot. I think the betting odds are on point. Choi is a tall featherweight; he's six foot, and when you watch his striking, he knows how to use it. He's crisp, he's tight, he's very technical. I especially watched that fight, uh, his last fight, and gets Julian Orosa that nasty knockout on the first round, and Erosa himself is a very high-level striker. So that, that puts me on notice. And, um, you know, but within my heart, like I said before, I'm a little torn because I, Bruce Leroy, I believe he's a fan favorite. He's always exciting to watch. He's a vegan. I like that. Yes, <laughs> and, he uh, you know, he, he's had so much experience in the featherweight division, in the UFC itself. And he's on a four-fight win streak, which is, I believe, the longest win streak he's ever been on. So it seems like he has this resurgence of his career, which who knows? Maybe he's got some new mental game, a new nutritionist. You know, he's just he's he's on another level now. With that being said, I like Choi for this fight, I think. And do you want me to give you the method?
3: You don't need to for this fight, but um, we'll take it if you have a lean. Mm,
6: I just, I, it, it's hard to say. I think Choi's going to win this one. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. These guys both have gas tanks. Uh, I'm going to say Choi in the third.
3: All right, so Choi, yeah. round three for Ashley Evans-Smith. So, yeah, Caceres Kenny, interesting case, right? You and I called a lot of his early fights in the UFC. Has never had more momentum than he has right now, as Ashley alluded to. Four straight wins, 25th UFC appearance. Guys, been there and done that. Tough spot, tough fighter he draws this weekend. Your thoughts, Flo?
4: Well, well, right now my thoughts are that I'm very upset that you had Ashley uh, on the podcast because clearly she's smart and she's done her homework. So <laughs> I'm not feeling good about these picks. But yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree with her absolutely on Choi. I think that it's most likely going to come down to striking. I think Caceres, um, you know, he, he could be tricky on the ground, but I don't think he has the takedowns. Or the size to really impose that part of his game uh, on Choi. So I think it's probably gonna stay on the feet. Um, and Caceres will kind of use that karate style. But I think uh, Choi's power, uh, his ability to put together cleaner combinations, I think will be the difference here. So I, I like Choi here as well.
3: Only man to beat Caceres at all recently was Ice Cream Crone Gracie. I actually went down a little Crone Gracie rabbit hole this morning. He moved to Montana, Kenflow, out of California, yes. Ashley, by the way. Everybody's wow. leaving California. Ashley Evan Smith is not leaving California. By the way. Uh, Maybe. Not yet. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, Cole Gracie hasn't fought since the Cubs Swanson fight. Uh, and I'm right. a big fan of his, but he moved to Montana. Everybody getting out of Dutch. Um, all right. Next up, this is in Ashley's division, by the way Jessica Rose Clark minus 135, Jocelyn Edwards plus 115. So Clark tore her ACL in her last win last September against Sarah Alpar back for the first time here in more than a year. Edwards on the other side, making her third start in the UFC, all of them in 2021. I believe she trains under Victor Davila in California. If I'm not mistaken, Ashley, what do you think about this one in your division, babe?
6: Obviously I always eyeballs are always on featherweight and, or sorry, flyweight and bantamweight. I've bounced around from those weight classes, Let's just say when I come back, it's, it's going to be bantamweight, okay? I'm getting too old for that featherweight uh-huh. division. Um, but, I, you know, I, I like this fight a lot. Uh, Jocelyn, I've been watching her since she did make her debut, been paying extra close attention to the fight because of the pandemic. So thank you, COVID, I guess. Uh, yeah. I thought she looked real sharp in her debut. But when I watched her fight against Rosa, I I just saw her get controlled with the wrestling. I saw her not check kicks a lot and, uh, you know, matching her up against Jessie Jess, who regardless of her coming off that ACL injury and, you know, a year layoff, maybe she's got some ring rust. I don't believe in that, you know, but it's dependent on the fighter. Uh, I just see Jessie Jess, if if she controls this fight with wrestling and throws a lot of heavy leg, leg kicks, This is her fight for sure. I picked Jessica Rose Clark.
3: Yeah, no, it's a good breakdown, and I think you picked up on a lot of things that I did on the Edwards film. Um, Kenny, what do you think about this one? Short price on Jessica Rose Clark, the favorite.
4: Yeah, you know, it's hard to see what kind of fighter jocelyn edwards is you know it it seemed like her debut and her second fight were were two different performances and of course two different opponents right but um i don't know i i I can't tell if she was just off or if that's you know a, a, a real weakness in her game But I think Edwards probably has the advantage on the ground. I think her grounded pound, her submission game, might be a little bit better uh, than Jessica's. Uh, But Jessica's going to be the cleaner striker here. I I think the way that she's able to uh, strike from the outside with those leg kicks that uh, Ashley was talking about uh, could really slow her down and kind of be be the beginning of the end for Edwards. So I think if she's able to pick her apart from the outside, slow her down, maybe attack the body um, and stay out of that clinch or be efficient from the clinch, uh, I think this is Jessica's fight as well. So got to go with Jessica Clark.
3: Got to root for the fellow hyphen too, Ashley, right? I mean, I know hers (laughs) is in her first name, right?
6: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: All right, co-main event at lightweight. Uh, we will need the round and the method of victory here. Grant Dawson, three to one favorite, minus three hundred five against Ricky Glenn, who is plus two forty. So Dawson had a fight on the books, as Ken Flo well knows, against Diego Fajeda that was to happen earlier this month. Fajeda got hurt, I believe. So Dawson instead draws Ricky Glenn a few weeks later. And Rick Dawson, <laughs> Rick Dawson, Grant Dawson, trying to move to six and zero oh here in the UFC. Ashley, what do you think about the co-main event?
6: I think this, and this is a strong statement with Costa and Vittori being the main event, but I think this is going to be fight of the night. I think that Dawson is a young powerhouse. And like you said, he's undefeated. He struggled with some weight class issues. And uh, if you have ever bounced around from weight class to weight class, you know, you just don't know. You want to be you want to find the right fit where you're lean and fast and powerful. And I think he's finding his home at lightweight. And I think, um, it's going to be a really good fight for him. Rick Glenn, he's extremely experienced. You know, he's one of those guys. I didn't say this about Rose, Jessica Rose Clark, but you know, she doesn't fight too often myself being one of those, a a similar type of fighter, right. Once a year type thing. But when they show up, man, they show up and uh, Rick Glenn shows up, he's got mm-hmm. plenty of experience. So, it's like, oh, a younger, powerful guy, you know, a guy who's been doing it longer with more experience. I, I take Dawson, and I think that uh, it's gonna be, I expect a finish, I expect a third round choke.
3: I go. All right, third round submission for Grant Dawson, nicely done, Ashley. And yeah, Kenny, no doubt Grant Dawson has found his right weight class, and thankfully, he is finding it early in his career. Uh, you think about guys like Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker did all this work at featherweight. Um, I digress, but Ricky Glenn on the other side, Kenny, he had like a, a three year layoff, but came back with um, that huge knockout of Joachim Silva in June. Still a big price here though. Ricky Glenn plus two forty. What do you think about his chances here against Grant Dawson?
4: Listen, I, I think Rick, Rick Glenn has some, um, some good skills. I I think he's well-rounded. He's dangerous. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the only thing he's a little inconsistent. Sometimes we see, um, you know, some good performances, some okay performances here, sometimes make some mental errors during the fight. Um, whereas Grant Dawson, probably a little bit more consistent. I was really impressed with his comeback win over Leo Santos as well. Um, I I thought that showed a lot uh, about his heart and his willingness to win. Um, And I I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's learning from each and every fight. So I like Grant Dawson here as well. Um, Let's go with the third round TKO for Dawson.
3: Third round TKO, the pick to click for Ken Flo there on Grant Dawson. All right, main event, big fight. At 185 pounds, Marvin Vittori right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, the minus 130 betting favorite. Paolo Costa can be had at plus 110. All right, so these two men have combined, excuse me, to face the champ Israel Adesanya three times. They're 0-3 for Costa. That is his only pro loss, Ashley, and that was his last fight all the way back in September of last year at UFC 253. Costa, Vittori, under the lights this weekend. Who wins the main event?
6: Yeah, I believe both these guys, uh Vittori and Costa, Adesanya was their last fight, if I'm correct. And uh, you, you know, this this one is extremely tough, right? Cause you've got just two specimens and it's I'm nitpicking now. Like I'm you have to nitpick when it gets to this level. And I'm really, <clears throat> you know, Vittori's never been finished. Uh, they both fought Adesanya. I think the difference is the fact that Adesanya style bender really broke down Costa um, mentally. He, he kind of, you know, destroyed him when they fought. And Vittori just seems to have a stronger mental game. And at this level, it's it's like I said, I'm nitpicking but I sure. think the the mental aspect's gonna be the final straw for this fight. You know, the the really the deciding factor. And uh, so I give it to De- Vittori. And man, to have to pick a, a specific, I'm gonna say decision for okay. Vittori. Yeah, but uh, uh, but we're really nitpicking, man. This is gonna be a great fight.
3: Well, no, and Vegas obviously has this close on paper. And for Marvin Vittori. Man, he wants this so badly, Kenny. He's racked up a lot of experience, right? He's fought 75 minutes in that octagon since we lost. last saw Paolo Costa. The main event wins over Jack Romanson and Kevin Holland, and obviously the 25 minutes with Adesanya that did not go his way. Um, you know, I felt like at times in Vittori's last fight, he was a little bit delusional with respect as to what was actually happening in that fight, and then afterwards yeah. kind of felt like maybe he had done enough um, You know, I think there's less there are more unknowns on the Paulo Costa side, certainly as far as what his last year has held. Kenny, what do you have for us on the main event? I have no idea who wins it, and I'm glad I don't have to make a pick.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate, man. You know, um you know, Ashley was calling these guys uh, physical specimens. That's why they remind me a lot about myself. You know, you look at the body types, <laughs> right. and uh, you know, I can really see. No, but um, listen, uh, th- these guys definitely are physically very powerful guys, um, very explosive. Uh, I think for Vittori, though, you know, the path is pretty clear. Uh, he's got he's got to look for a takedown. He's got to slow Costa down, get him on his back. Um, you know, and, and get rid of you know a lot of those exchanges in tight. I think that's where Paulo Costa can really uh hurt you. He's extremely fast, and for a guy who is as, as physically big, who carries as much muscle, you know, a lot of times you expect him, you know, to to slow down. And when Paulo is, is in tremendous shape, he doesn't really slow down. He could still uh have a lot of pop in his punches. So um, I don't know. I, I think Vittori's got to be very careful here. Uh, he's got to set up his takedowns properly. He's got to get respect uh, from Paulo Costa with his hands, but he can't stay in the pocket for too long. So uh, really fascinated by what the approach is going to be by by both guys here. Um, I, I think Vittori obviously has been more active than Paulo Costa has uh, been recently. Uh, but uh, I do think Paulo Costa has the skills to get it done. I I like Paulo Costa here. Uh, I think he'll find a way to stop those takedowns and be more effective uh, and slow Vittori down uh, and then kind of pounce a little bit later in the fight. When does that happen? Um, You know, it's between the third and fourth round. Let's go with round uh, three, Paulo Costa again here uh, by TKO.
3: All right. Ken Flo likes Costa by TKO. And I know for the Paolo Costa fans and his coaches, like they felt shortchanged by that last performance to say the least. So a big opportunity for, uh, for him to not write that wrong, but to sort of write uh, the ship uh, this weekend against Marvin Vittori. All right. More from Ashley Evans Smith on social media. You can find her at Ashley MMA and her podcast is at sex and violence with rebel girl. Ken Flo's got to come on the show. I'm a little timid. <laughs> you know, about the format. No, I know we talked. I'm going to come on there at some point in time. Um, I just need to accrue a little bit more sexual experience before I come on I, I think Kenny would be a great, I think Kenny would be a great guest, you know? I know. So, hey, oh my thank God. You so much for joining us. Um, thanks for lifting me up over the last few weeks, obviously with Susie. And um, we wish you all the best with your podcast and with coming back and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. By Ashley, Ashley, is Ashley Evan Smith with us for the main event challenge this week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, when we had that celebration of life for Susie, Ashley really was lifting me up, and she was telling me about this podcast that she has. Right, yeah. and some of my broadcasting colleagues, I think Alan Joban and Laura Sanko, have been on the program. Okay, um, but there are certain things we obviously can't talk about because of what we do for a living right like i can tell our intimate audience here on the anakin florian podcast you notice i take chances on these airwaves that i certainly wouldn't take on a ufc telecast and there's a lot that i can't even say here um because of the nature of what we do for a living but rest assured when i retire oh my god when i retire
4: (laughs) oh when we're 80 years old when we're 80 doing this podcast dude it's gonna be we're (laughs) we're,
3: we're, we're asking people to hit the like button when we're 80 you know we're just trying to retire can you hit the fucking like button please
5: (laughs) hello john no offense i like you but you gotta wait until after a couple episodes after alan joe ban right like do yourself some favors
4: yeah, seriously.
5: That's a good-looking man.
3: Uh, I was, but again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? It's like I think. Uh, well, yeah, well, in the
5: eye of modeling agencies, he's much better looking than either of us. So,
3: <laughs> I haven't solicited modeling work. I have an identical twin. That's right? true. It's like let me solicit the modeling. He's an attractive twin. I suggest I'll you that. that modeling services aren't interested. You know, unbelievable. <laughs> this guy banging on me. Um, all right. Thank you to our guests, Ashley Evan Smith. By the way, how about Bitcoin? Huh?
4: Dude, like, what, let's, let's go! Like, let's uh, go
3: to the moon, John. Yeah, and uh all right. So it's over sixty-two thousand right now. I guess what I grapple with, you know, my average uh, purchase price on Robinhood forty-two thousand. My average purchase price on Gemini thirty-eight thousand. You know, but that doesn't really matter, right? right. It's like, why am I hyper focused looking at it at fifty-nine? What does it matter? Just keep just
4: exactly hold long-term think of it four or five year hold, man. We'll be, we'll be in a completely different conversation. W a G M I wag me. We're all going to make it just hold on. We're all going to make it.
3: And, you know, Ken Flo obviously has to keep certain things close to the vest. But I got to think if we go back to our conversation earlier about me hitting seven grand on the Chiefs or Doc is coming yeah. home to his wife, it's like, oh, hey, honey, I just want another $50,000 bonus for knocking another man unconscious. So Correct. I'm going to go to the bar tonight and you have Cooper. OK, honey. You know? <laughs> um, but I'd imagine, Ken Flo, at some point, you've had a Bitcoin conversation with Clark. That's yes. like, Hey, honey. I was onto something, was I not? Right? Uh, I, oh, I've absolutely. Any chest puffing? There has to have been some chest puffing with the wife on Bitcoin, a little bit. Right? No
4: question about it, because uh, you know, like I, when I'm talking to her in the beginning, you know, years ago about Bitcoin, she's just like, uh, "What? What are you doing? What you, you're gonna you're gonna put how much money in imaginary right. money? What are you What are you doing? <laughs> you're just throwing great, it away? Right. Okay, yeah, great. Uh so now I'm like, remember what I told you yeah, that right. it would be something, yeah, and yeah. now we're here. Um, yeah, so
3: and i have another dear friend and colleague who sold his and so he has the reciprocal conversation with his wife (laughs) who doesn't let a day go by
4: right without reminding
3: him how many millions he decided to sell for like sixty thousand bucks back in the day all right thank you to our guest actually evan smith chris dawkus kyle dawkus chris the dark horse dawkus uh, Ray Longo, that feels like a long time ago. Next week's show's going to be out early, folks, right, Cody? Because it is wheels up to Abu Dhabi and South Florida. we got a big show coming up in advance of UFC 267 and a special announcement on next week's 322nd episode of the Anakin Florian Podcast, so stay tuned for that. AnakinFlorianPodcast.com is live for all of your merchandise needs. Millions.co for the one more sleep stuff. And don't forget Kemflo's YouTube channel. Bulldog chokes, clock chokes, whatever needs to be explained. <laughs> will be explained there. Uh, thank you all for indulging us. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrow. Until next week, enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. Paulo Costa is back in your life this weekend on ESPN+. Plus. We'll see you next Monday. You'll live.